top of the news this evening is speculation concerning the real facts behind the Department of Health announcement about a radioactive spill supposed to have occurred yesterday at the state nuclear plant. Strange case. No sign of violence, yet she looks completely contorted in fear. Almost as if she'd been frightened to death. As if she'd seen something too horrible to live through. You're listening to the Really Awful Movies Podcast, a celebration of genre cinema. Hi, my name is Chris, and along with Jeff, we talk about movies that aren't really awful at all. Horror, action, kung fu, musicals, post-apocalyptic, women in prison films, and much, much more. From our downtown Toronto headquarters, here's episode 214, Jack Arnold's Creature from the Black Lagoon from the mid-50s. Well, we got, we sort of got a double bill here. Uh, this is going to be Creature from the Black Lagoon and, from 1954, and its sequel from one year later, Revenge of the Creature. Uh, how this came about is you suggested Creature of the Black Lagoon. And I had just revisited that film not that long ago. Um, in 3D, too. Mm-hmm. Both Creature from the Black Lagoon and Revenge of the Creature were both shot and released in 3D. Look, um, on the uh, Blu-ray that I have, I got Creature from the Black Lagoon in, in 3D. Love it. Fantastic. Because I had just seen it about, uh, you know, a couple of two or three weeks ago, I wasn't that inspired to watch it again but i had never seen any of the creature sequels there are two there's revenge of the creature and then the third one was the creature walks among us so i thought instead of watching the creature of black lagoon i would watch a sequel i kind of wish i would have stuck with the black lagoon <laughs> because that's a that's a pretty damn good i mean that's a masterpiece in many ways revenge of the creature not so good so in many ways this is sort of like what we used to do with crap of the week in the sense where you would spring a movie movie on you that you hadn't seen vice versa maybe yeah but i have seen Mm -hmm. christian black lagoon i just didn't watch it well this is like a hybrid almost like a a man and a fish possibly well what, uh, what do you mean by that oh we're doing like a like a hybrid of the crap of the week oh okay well i mean uh the the etymology of the gill man or the creature in the black lagoon i mean it's is he is that what was established that he is a man and a fish i believe so yeah because yeah, although you would expect him to swim a hell of a lot better in but. revenge of the creature uh, they sort of make some uh hints that he's some sort of like missing link of it you know when it came to evolution and whatnot. i think that's probably just splitting hairs yeah it's mm-hmm. probably like a, yeah but it's interesting because creature from the black lagoon is considered to be a canonical universal horror um, the universal horrors, which I, I worship, I adore. I mean, it started in the early 30s with Todd Browning's Dracula and James Wells' Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein and The Wolfman and so on. And most of them dealt with adaptations of literary properties you know what i mean mm-hmm. maybe not the wolfman per se although that was probably you know that there's a lot of lycanthropic legends that they adapted there was just like no book you know called the wolfman yeah but i mean they also had uh, their own phantom of the opera their own not the Lontani version but they had their own version uh the invisible man that's um who's a sci-fi oh. writer is it wells or ellison ellison no, no ellison no. he wrote something uh, else um damn 
Yes, but anyway, yeah, but what, it, all the same. What did Harlan Ellison write? Invisible, you know. Yeah. Um, we're, we're into the wine a little bit. Ellison uh, wrote a book called The Invisible Man, but it was about race relations as opposed yeah. to uh, somebody that had to swallow themselves with bandages because he took an invisib- invisibility serum. But you had, of course, Frankenstein based on the works Mary of Mary Shelley. Shelley. Yeah. You had Dracula based on the works of Bram Stoker. You had The Mummy. Now, of course, this was not based on a literary property, but there's still um, literary precedence in the fact that this is based on ancient Egyptian legend. Same with The Wolfman. Mm-hmm. The Creature from the Black Lagoon was, I would say, the last of the classic canonical universal films. They had already started turning out sequels to your Draculas and your Frankensteins. You had your portmanteau films like House of Dracula, Abbott and Costello Meet, what have you, etc. The Creature was the last sort of gasp at making a wholly original character with a film that was truly successful both artistically and commercially once revenge of the creature came out in 55 no pun intended universal was treading water so let's start off with talking about the creature from the black lagoon and since you're the one that watched him recently well i i was always fascinated with creatures from the deep like my parents took me to uh to Florida and uh, one of my earliest memories is seeing a manatee and I didn't know what it was but I remember like this thing floating in about four feet of, of like almost bog water like swampland in Florida and these things are so incredible I used to be obsessed with divers and those old-timey what is it bronze uh, scuba outfits they yeah. used to have and yeah, you got uh, some of that in Revenge of the Creature yeah and, and yeah. Jacques Cousteau like I, I still have on my bookshelf to this day a bunch of Jacques Cousteau books where he and his son would go and like you know bring octopi back from the deep and you'd have all this amazing footage of all this stuff so I, I, I was obsessed with Creature from the Black Lagoon and I knew the guy who portrayed him but I had never seen the movie until two days ago was it Rico, which is a Rico, Rico Browning and he was and an I, Olympian swimmer was he not he was a diving instructor okay. from Florida yeah. who is Florida State University who just happened to be because this was filmed in Florida the guy who knew about scuba and who looked best swimming in this ridiculous well not ridiculous no, it's, it's it's quite wonderful. neat rubber gear creature so, design is phenomenal yeah Underwater photography is phenomenal in both this and and Revenge of the Creature yeah what, what I was thinking like yeah, so some of the stuff where he's swimming around maybe doesn't, you know, hold up as well, but the structure of the film is incredible. Like, every animal attack movie, even though this is not an animal per se, if you want to call him a gill man, the fish man hybrid, everything from Jaws to Grizzly to, you know, uh, maybe Tarantula, which this guy, Jack Arnold, directed as well. Like, every Animal Attack movie almost has this film in its debt because it set the like the template for how all these movies... Uh, you're aliens. It doesn't matter. When you have a crew of scientists investigating something, uh, Contagion, uh, Umberto Lenzi, is mm-hmm. that... Or, or no, is it could contamination? See. Okay. Oh, yeah, could see. Both any time you have yeah. a bunch of experts going in to investigate something, that's what immediately sprung to mind with this. A bunch of like arrogant scientists going on a mission to investigate something, something untoward happens. And I just didn't realize like this was incredibly ahead of its time. I mean, for years to come, 
this has cast such a long shadow. It's really mm. amazing. Well, talk about long shadow. I mean, look at uh, the film that won uh, Best Picture at this year's Oscars, The Shape of Water. Uh huh. Is it The Shape of Water? I always get that confused. The Shape of yeah, yeah, yeah Del Toro. Del Toro, film. yeah. Um, Fish fucking. Yeah, and that I mean that creature was wholly indebted to uh, the creature in the Black Lagoon, yeah. the Gill Man, in terms of his aesthetics and whatnot. And then Del Toro himself will admit it. You know, mm-hmm. the the aesthetic of the creature in Shape of Water played so memorably by Doug Jones was an homage to the Gilman. Mm-hmm. And and even even just like a like a, almost a Joseph Conrad element of these guys floating down the river in this barge. Well, I guess in some dilapidated ship and trying to investigate and then being over their in over their heads. There's just so much in the way of interest and it's wonderfully filmed as well. So you just basically have but also very funny you have this fossil that's found in this rock and it's this hand and the archaeologist which is dr maya he takes a pickaxe and just hammers it right out of the wall like taking almost no care for the thing's preservation and then takes it back to the lab like it was just i was killing myself laughing it was like this thing is the most important discovery ever and he's hacking away at it like it's a side of beef or something (laughs) and then he just pulls it right out of the out of the ground and and takes it to the lab and of course the scientists are completely befuddled like what is this it looks like the like a komodo dragon or some some sort of uh, lizard creature and this is this is an expedition in the amazon jungle so they find this thing and they don't know what it is so what could it possibly be let's go find out let's get a mission together hire a boat captain and sail the amazon to try and get to the bottom of this mystery okay so yeah so you have that but one of the i think what when people think creature from the Black Lagoon, one of the things that automatically springs to mind is, of course, the Gill Man, the design of the creature, etc. But the other thing that comes to mind for anybody that's seen this film is the utterly captivating presence of Julie Adams. In that one-piece bathing suit. Uh, that's lovely. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're going back to the 50s, so there's got to be some sort of modesty and what have you, but there was this... She was just radiant, mm-hmm. stunning. But not just that... She was a scientist, right? <laughs> yeah. And, but she was treated with kin. Well, from mm. what I recall, she wasn't, was she condescended too much? Cause I, well, I don't know about the, by the standards of the time, but a little bit, but she, her, her humanity shone through mm-hmm. because her research mates were incredibly condescending and classist to this poor boat captain. This disheveled character is typical of a lot of, uh, you know, boat captains. And they're just utterly contemptuous and mocking of this guy. But yeah. she's and on his side. And he reprises, uh, he's reprising Revenge of the Creature. He Lucas, hadn't had Captain it. Lucas. Oh, was he Italian? Uh, I can't I'm anyway. just guessing. <laughs> yeah, some Portuguese-Brazilian guy. Yeah, yeah. Like, he, he says, you know, are the accommodations to your liking, madame? And she, she could have just said, oh, floating husk of shitty rusted out you know boat is crap but she says no this is my cabin is fantastic sir mm-hmm. and she's very very kind to him and she is really the heart of this movie yeah and in many ways when you look at creature from the black lagoon it's not wholly original in the sense that i mean there's a lot of elements and uh, from let's say king kong where you invade somebody else's territory oh, oh yeah yeah and you know you're you're going on an expedition to someplace where you don't belong and you start to poke around where you maybe shouldn't be poking and then of course you're going to have 
somebody who's this is their natural habitat and they're all they can do is defend mm-hmm. their habitat and in addition to that there's the obligatory love interest there's the the creature meets a member of the fairer sex who they just fall inexplicably head over heels <laughs> in love with and because their mental facilities are not the same as ours they can't express their love in any other way but through kidnapping kidnapping <laughs> Yeah. violence etc <laughs> so there's that i mean you know it sort of does follow the king kong template and when you get to revenge of the creature which i'll be talking about momentarily it continues on with that king kong template um but what creature of black lagoon has going for it first of all is an inc- at least for its time and i still think it holds up an incredible creature design okay at some points it does look like it's a man in a rubber suit but hey man like like you know look at the t- the limitations they had at the time and what they were doing with it rico browning phenomenal swimmer great underwater scenes mm-hmm. julie adams is wonderful the scene where she's swimming along and then he's all of a sudden underneath that's pretty, yeah that, that's pretty cool that's, and that, that's just a, a immediate analog to jaws this is the exact same yeah, filmmaking totally in the same way that the captain of oh the name escapes me too the alien vessel and ripley like that guy is not a scientist he's he's more of a like you know the mechanic type guy but he proves himself to be eminently worthy amidst all these eggheads so in a similar way here lucas Captain Lucas is incredibly self-sufficient. He's, you know, grabs a grabs a rifle. He's helping out, even though he's, they treat him like garbage. Um, actually, in my notes here, I was just thinking because you mentioned like how was this woman treated? Uh, I have a quote here, where one of the characters says, "Going into unexplored territory with a woman, it's dangerous." So you know, make make of that what you will. So she might be an ichthyologist or whatever she is, a researcher, but. Uh, call it misguided, uh, you know, gentlemanship, if that's even a word, or chauvinism, whatever you want to call it. So, yeah, this, again, still, I think that Julie Adams' character had enough of a heart in her that, you know, she's subjected to all this stuff, and yet she's the one who shines along with Lucas. And maybe this is a bit of a subversive statement. Who knows? Anyway, yeah, you have these people on this mission. Mm -hmm. They're trying to... And oh, another trope! My God, so and, many things. Of yes, where where you're trying to go after this creature? There's mm-hmm. always the cliche of, let's bring it back alive, but then the, the the pragmatic captain says, let's kill it. Look, we've already lost like four men. Why should we take it back alive? Like this is a hubris of science that you're gonna add, add it to the Smithsonian or whatever. Like, well, just fucking kill the thing. Like this is we've all got you know. But, well, but, but why of it. We would they, need why to bring would they it back kill him? Alive. What was he doing? He wasn't harming anybody. He well, was in his. Them. <laughs> but that's because they invaded his, his turf, his territory, his well, who, homestead, who, just like the Sawyer family in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Well, I suppose, except that was at least you could attribute it that to a specific dwelling place. This is the Amazon jungle. It's a home to countless creatures that could cause harm to humans so who knows but like, this yeah. is this was not a this is not a place inhabited by humans this was a well i guess yeah this knows? was a tributary of the upper amazon maybe the aboriginals who lived there who there knows was, there yeah. was no other human beings oh yeah in the context the, of this film, then these yeah. usurpers these invaders yeah. these uh, uh colonialists yeah maybe basically. who knows yeah you know? yeah so i mean the hubris of man how dare they invade his <laughs> homestead 
where he might he's could be a very the gill might be a very vital part of the ecosystem <laughs> he's <And> only that, <laughs> one <laughs> uh, okay. like they mentioned i guess that uh, there's references to lungfish and mm-hmm. how they're like a organism that never made its way out of like it's like a weird mix of snake and fish and they posit that there's many creatures undiscovered that we could have that we don't know about and then there's this man this gill man who knows but is he the last surviving member of his species? Who knows? Like, you, like this week, we just lost the last male white rhino, mm-hmm. and we're trying to. I guess. I guess they have his sperm left, so maybe they'll create more white rhinos to to come for hopefully for future generations. There go. Don't kill it. Don't kill it. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. And just maybe for self preservation, just get the hell out of there. Which I guess they have listened to the captain and say, "Let's let's go." But then the the gillman creates this like beaver dam type thing to ensnare the rita which is the ship they're in who knows it's it's ambiguous it's an interesting situation who knows well like, how far do you take self-preservation and like what do you do i'm inclined to side with you like get the hell out of there let people know this thing is there it's a predator L- leave it be it's yeah. like a polar bear or something well one year later we have revenge of the creature and Lucas does return, and he's leading another expedition of a bunch of moronic scientists who did not heed the cautionary tale of what happened in the first film and are going back to the habitat of the creature, the Gilman, and this time they want to capture it. And it's your standard motley crew of idiotic scientists. But they go there and they and it's it's interesting because what, what you have i mean you know we're having this bit of a philosophical discussion here of like what they should do and lucas in revenge of the creature creature is trying to dissuade them from heading to the black lagoon he says look he goes I saw what happened last movie. Last movie. I saw what happened, you know, last year. Uh, you know, five people died. Perhaps this beast exists because it's. He goes. Maybe we should leave this creature alone. This beast. Maybe this beast exists because it's stronger than evolution. Maybe it's even possessed by a demon. But all the same, why don't we just leave it alone? But these idiotic scientists go there, and they pretty much blow up the whole fucking ocean okay oh, so, so much like they did in the first yeah. one where they have this kind of uh um poison that the natives use that they almost they deploy in the water and it almost makes these like little detonations and then the it causes this massive mega death to mm. quote the band where they got their name of, of fish dying in this in the river so that what they try and do is deploy this to kill the gillman so i mean the first thing they try and do they put somebody they put a guy in one of those ridiculous scuba those old-fashioned <laughs> it almost I looks like those. an iron lung or something yeah. right and he goes out and you know him and the and the creature tussle and whatnot and then they just okay we're gonna use some dynamite and they build the entire ocean the creature floats to the surface but he's not dead hmm. he's in a coma they take him and they bring him back to the states and it's kind of bizarre because where should they take him probably to a museum or a university or something no they take him to an analog for marine land you know in florida for him to be exhibited just like king kong but he's not just to be exhibited he's to be studied as well so you have him on display for the 
punters who come to this, mm-hmm. you know, marine ex- exhibition, and you also have these scientists that are trying to conduct their experiments at the same time. Now, they chain him at the bottom of this tank, and he's swimming there. With, he's there with all these other sort of denizens of the deep, but he has no interest in interacting with any of them because, I guess, and it's not made explicit, but he's not... I mean, he is carnivorous. Is he carnivorous? What does he eat? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. But well, the, that, that sounds like an interesting movie. But, but the thing because, is... Because, uh, you know, you, you talk about uh, the audience need for... Occasional need for to have sympathy or empathy for an antagonist. Mm. So I thought that's a really neat kind of thing. It's well, almost like Bob in the, in the Romero movie. That's the whole thing, Where you, right? you chain the, the creature up and you gawk mm. at it. That sounds because interesting. This, this poor creature just goes through one humiliation after another when they bring him to the states he's still in a comatose state they're swimming him around uh like as if, as if he's a shark or something yeah. you know walking him around this this reservoir what have you they chain him to the body i mean you're just your heart bleeds like- for this guy your heart breaks for him and the best universal horrors and what i respond to frankenstein of course is the pathos right the fact that the monster is not the monster he's misunderstood Hmm. He's somebody that did not ask to be vilified. He was, but he was vilified because he's different. Because he's not like the rest of us. He's not one of us. You know, a freak. Mm, yeah. And you get a bit of that in this Revenge of the Creature, but ultimately, the film does drag quite a bit, and. You just, you know, you're watching this poor creature go through one humiliation after another, after another, after another, and you just are waiting for him to break free of his tethers and to run amok. Mm-hmm. And that does happen. And when it happens, it's cool. Mm-hmm. You know, it's shot in broad daylight in this, you know, Floridian um, amusement park. And it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, but there's things about it that just really left me cold. For example, there's a love triangle. You have another ichthyologist... In this case, it's a character by the name of Helen. And talk about being condescended to. She is so condescended <laughs> to. And she's in a love triangle with a professor by the name of Cleet, who is the smuggest, most arrogant, 1950s alpha male bastard that you just mm. want to slap him in the face every time you Father see him. Father knows best. Um, <clears throat> you also have um, another guy named Joe. And there's this, so this bit of a love triangle. Um Nobody has any charisma, so I don't know the name of the actress who played Helen, the ichthyologist, but she is no Julie Adams, Mm. not physically, nor, I mean, she's an attractive woman, but she just doesn't have that that radiance that Julie Adams had in the original creature, and as far as uh, her acting goes, just, there's just something that left me very cold about it, Um, but... I guess this is sort of like, I mean, there's not much I can say about Revenge of the Creature. I mean, it really is just a, a very quickly, I mean, it was directed by Jack Arnold, you know, just like the first, but it just was just sort of like a more of the same, let's let's show more of the Gill Man, let's take him into another environment, let's chain him up, and then let's have him run amok and start, mm. you know, causing some havoc and so on and so forth. One thing that is notable about this film is that it's the first, um... Well, it's a film debut of Clint Eastwood. Uh-huh. Very young Clint Eastwood. Interesting. He pl- yeah, he played a lab um, assistant, which is funny because as I was watching the movie, I didn't even realize that that was Clint Eastwood. Huh. And 
then I was researching it afterwards, and yeah, that well, you got to start somewhere. And apparently, this was the first film that Stephen King saw in the theater that he remembers as a young kid. Revenge of the Creature. It would be Creature from the Black Lagoon, and he does not recall in his book whether it was the re-release or whether it was the initial run because it's hard to determine at the time but again it, it, it's interesting we came up at a time when horror was just infused with gore and it was like we came of age during the slasher boom so it's, it, it's I feel like we missed out in a certain sense by, miss, by missing some of these early films to just see how terrifying this might have been to someone in the in the 50s in, in an audience to be in the audience like that like we we have no conception because the first horror films we saw were automatically gory so we have here it's black and white we have this there are actually a few nice starts in in probably that film as well in the sequel but when the hand comes through the um oh what's it called this nautical hole, like the window in the ship. It's like, there's a couple neat, really neat scenes. And I'm trying to put myself in the state that King was in when he was a kid, like several years removed. But this, it, I mean, it really holds up. Oh, yeah. Imagine yourself as like an eight-year-old watching this at a Saturday matinee and just, you know, you would have been enthralled. It's not so much from... the body, but the eyes. Like the the head is something incredible. And also I think... the movements, you know, like when, yeah. when it's swimming. There's a, It's not a natural sort of swimming movement. There's something very, very... Yeah, otherworldly. Yeah. Like and, and yeah, Jim Cameron will be the first to tell you. I mean, <laughs> the deep oceans are an analog to space because there's so much down there in oh, the depths sure, sure. that we don't know about and there's some creepy ass creatures down i there. i had the uh i mean one of the most uh, incredible uh, experience of my life was um snorkeling the great barrier reef in australia and wow i mean talk about being in another world like you you, you do feel like you're in outer space and uh, the what I saw between the coral and the various species of fishes and sharks and tur what have you that were swimming by me was just amazing. It was mm. incredible. And you have that, I mean, how much percentage of Earth is covered by water? I forget. What the, is it Probably 70%? 75, 65, yeah, it's massive. And there's so much that's down there that we don't, e we don't even know about, you know? So you're right. What is as above, so below, right? Mm -hmm. um, what did I learn from Revenge of the Creature? Well, I learned that this was a bit of a cash and sequel. They did try and imbue a little more pathos for the creature. Ultimately, you really just want the creature just wanted to get home, um, and they wouldn't let him. They wanted to exploit him both for commercial purposes and for scientific purposes at the same time. When both interests are wholly dichotomous to each other, so that's kind of bizarre. <laughs> yeah. um, again. This ichthyologist, Helen, she was subjected to so many sexist comments that it was just kind of ridiculous. Like, at one point, she's being interviewed um, by some talking head on, you know, the local mm. news. He's like, here I am, and they're revealing the Gill Man, and I'm about to interview just about the prettiest lady I've ever seen. Her name is, but you know, Mrs. What-have-you, and uh, what do you do for a living? She's like, well, I'm a master's student. I'm studying ichthyology. She's like, Ichthyology, well, that's a $10 word, you know, <laughs> there's that. I don't think much has changed in TV journalism. <laughs> there wasn't, um, there was other 
fairly sexist comments that uh, were not at her expense, although there was a lot at her expense. At one point, um, when they're doing the exposition up to the Amazon to get the creature, one of the uh, scientists says, oh, what I wouldn't give for a tall, cold beer. And the response was, well, his moronic uh, colleague is, or a short, warm blonde. <laughs> and this whole blonde motif kept coming again and again and again, because, early, because later on, when... Um, Cleet, the smug asshole, um, yeah, father knows best kind yeah. of, yeah, arrogant guy. When yeah. he when he's told that oh, you, you got this amazing discovery has been found, you got you got to hear about this. He goes, "What? Someone on Earth, a natural blonde?" <laughs> so the blonde girls are coming fast and furious, and our female protagonist, our ichthyologist, just happens to be a blonde. So yeah. I don't know what they're trying to say, but hey. Blondes were not having more fun than this one. They were getting they Ooh, were well done. Yeah. They were getting the short of the stick. Um, the movie was okay, but you know it's interesting because when you have the Frankenstein series, right? Frankenstein is a stone cold masterpiece. Ride of Frankenstein is even better. Son of Frankenstein is phenomenal, and then it started to sort of decline in quality with Dracula. Already, when they start getting into the sequels, they start to sort of decline. Brides of Dracula was the next one, and then they started becoming, you know, very sort of like again with the portmanteaus yeah, and so Abbott on. And Costello and everything. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so the Universal films, with the exception of Bride of Frankenstein and Son of Frankenstein, they were not really known for their sequels. None of them were really considered to be artistic successes. Again, Frankenstein films, the exception. And that is totally chalked up to the, to the absolute virtuosic talents of Jack Pierce, the makeup artist, James Will, the director, Boris Karloff, mm -hmm. Bela Lugosi, who started appearing in, uh, in the third one, Son of Frankenstein, Basil Rathbone was in that one. Just incredible. Um, I, I do want to see The Creature Walks Among Us because I do. That's the third film in the in the Gilman series. I think it's gonna. I think it's a little bit. It's gonna be even more cheesy. In fact, this movie, Revenge of the Creature. I when I was doing my research, apparently it was roasted on MST and Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Uh -huh. So that just sort of gives you a idea of the precipitous drop in quality from the first <laughs> movie to the second. Um, my star rating for this one. It was entertaining enough for what it was. Let's say a Saturday afternoon matinee, double bill sort of film. Um, the un underwater photography was still phenomenal. It wasn't Rico Browning in the creature suit. I can't remember the name of the person who was doing the swimming, but the creature design was still amazing. So I'm going to give it a reluctant three stars, mm -hmm. leaning more towards two and three quarters. Now let's get back to the to the original to the to the. To Progenitor, is that the right word? Yeah, for, for sure. Just a, in the warnings to hubristic scientists that morality and science are often decoupled. I thought that was wonderfully explored here. And I was laughing because, uh, you know, the lagoon, like, oh, man, is it Jaws the Revenge we podcasted? Uh, if I'm getting, like, there was a lagoon in which this uh, that creature was confined. Yeah. And he had some of the similar ridiculous uh, setups that have just been par for the course for all these animal attack movies. It's just this, again, this just blew my mind that this wrote the template for any kind of exploration science movie where you have a group of experts going out into the great unknown and are set upon by something they don't understand. It was such a wonderful clarion call warning to that kind of arrogant behavior. Uh, 
incredible lines. There's uh, the unknown always seems unbelievable, which is just wonderful. I love this. And we deal with known quantities. So like this, this science guy is trying to deal with, you know, uh, order and chaos in his own way. He can't. He's, he's, he's in disorder and he's trying to order it. So, yeah, like uh, we, known quantities, like we're trying to, you know, calibrate everything, but they can't. There's nothing in their realm of experience can handle <laughs> as nor should it. Some guy who's got gills who's swimming around in, in, the, in the deep. And it was just wonderful. That was really neat. And I really liked how they meshed the Florida on-site, I forget the term for it, you know. It was the Everglades? Or yeah, that's yeah. where they filmed it with the soundstage stuff. It was mm. seamless. The interiors of the ship, you had no way were taken away from the film going, oh, where am I now? Like there, It just all seemed so cohesive and so wonderful. The performances were really neat. And again, the humanity exhibited by maybe the underdogs, you'd call it, like Lucas and the Julie Adams character, and try to, you know, sound a warning if something's not right, let's mm -hmm. get out of here. And yeah, I don't even know what star rating. I mean, it's it's been imitated so many times that it's almost impossible to separate yourself from that. So if I could, I would give it four stars. I think you but, should. Okay, yeah, <laughs> probably more accurately three and a half, just okay. as coming well. to it from a certain perspective. But, geez, everything from your dogs to your Night of the Lepus, even, it doesn't matter. Like, every one of these natural horrors owes Jack Arnold. I was just thinking now, too, when my parents took me to SeaWorld, uh, one of the trainers uh, was injured by one of the orcas there, and she was really under duress, and she was underwater for longer than she should have been, and she was, like, really having a, a, in a, in a bad way. And that was one of my earlier memories, too, again, with the manatee and with this, too. And I was thinking, geez... Again, yeah, to your point earlier, there's so much down below. <laughs> that sounds sexual. So much down below that we don't know about. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's a fascinating world. And like, I'm jealous that you were able to explore the Great Barrier Reef, and which is being, you know, do, as a result of human arrogance, being disintegrated as we record this. It's, I'm almost, it's terrifying. I'm, I'm almost, as, as sharks are being overfished right. as well. Like, I'm almost jealous of myself because that was 10 years ago and I don't think I'll ever be able to get back to australia and do that again oh, so it's a, you know i'm i'm, I'm jealous of my 10 year younger self for yeah, being for able sure. to do that um so just to wrap things up creature of black lagoon four stars yeah yep revenge of the creature precipitous drop of quality in many ways it is to creature from the black lagoon as jaws 2 is to jaws yeah so <laughs> eminently <a> watchable <laughs> a very very begrudging three stars maybe more like two and three quarters elevated just a bit because of jack arnold's direction the design of the creature the underwater photography but yeah it doesn't hold a candle to the original in any uh shape form or fashion maybe if i would have seen it in 3d like i did the original mm -hmm. i would have appreciated this a bit more so um having said that yeah check out our podcast every friday for listening enjoyment and send us your suggestions for any movie we should talk about really awful movies at gmail.com and we'll talk to you soon take care Thank you.